0: It's good to be with you today. We are uh, in between our two series um, for equipping hour. We just finished up a study on the Holy Spirit, and that was super encouraging for me and helpful for me as I think, uh, and as, as I think about God and as, as I relate to Him uh, in my own personal walk, it was really helpful uh, for clarity and for um, I hate to bring the word precision into a relationship, but but uh, uh, nonetheless, precision in my relationship with God so that I know who I am addressing when I ask for what and and exactly what that dynamic is between the Godhead. It was really, uh, really helpful and encouraging for me. I hope it was for you as well. Uh, next week, we're going to start our new series on uh, delighting in Christ. So that should be just a wonderful... Uh, time as we finish off the year reflecting on the good, uh, sweet things of our Savior, both in his person and his work. Uh, I'm going to be pulling uh, from John Owen's uh, book on communion with God uh, for some of the material for that, uh, using him as kind of a a guide through that topic. So it should be a wonderful time. Uh, Owen is always thorough and... Uh, biblical and Christ-centered, and uh, he's pastoral as well. So it should be a wonderful time as we end off the year in that way. Well, as is our normal custom, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time in between our two series, we'll have uh, one week uh, of break. We'll also have a week uh, where we uh, remind ourselves About uh, this ministry that we have in our church is kind of the foundational ministry I would say next to the preaching of the pulpit and the singing of praises. This is This is probably the third most important uh, ministry in all the church Uh, We won't be healthy. We won't do anything if we don't have discipleship right in the church So you could really strip away every other ministry children's ministry nursery Uh, you could strip away our home groups you could strip away um, our yeah even our evangelism in some sense because discipleship is part of uh, evangelism is part of discipleship you could strip away nearly every other ministry in the church we would still be a church and we would be doing uh, what the church is supposed to be doing if we're doing discipleship Uh, all these other ministries just facilitate uh, this central ministry of discipleship, whether it's children's ministry, evangelism, uh, home groups, and so on. Those other ministries facilitate and uh, uh, inform and uh, feed into this central ministry of discipleship. Now, we get our, uh, what we're going to be looking at this morning is. Uh, when it comes to our discipleship ministry, we want to be intentional. Uh, that's the main word I want you to walk away with this morning is intentional. Uh, I want you to think about your discipleship ministry. If you're discipling someone, I want you to be intentional in that relationship. If you're being discipled, I want you to be intentional as well, to know what, is tr- uh, what we're trying to do. We're trying to change you. Uh, we're, we're trying to, to change you into the likeness of Christ, uh, and our primary goal, our, our, our direction for discipleship, uh, as always, it comes mainly from Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, where Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to keep all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age now the the main verb here this is just by way of introduction to get us into uh, what're the, the meat of what we're going to talk about today uh, the the main verb is is arguable, but it, it is I believe, make disciples uh, that is the that is the one verb in all of this passage that is just a straight verb it, it, it's, it's the dominating. Thought and action is a dominating command of Jesus' words here. Now, underneath that, you have three participles. You have three words that give color and life and explanation to the main verb, make disciples. Meaning, he says, make disciples. And what does that look like? Well, that looks like going. It looks like uh, baptizing. And it looks like teaching. Going, baptizing, and teaching. Those are the three key elements of discipleship making. Uh, and I, it, it, you might not remember, this is, this is going way back uh, into I think the first year uh, where we came here. Um, I, I developed this uh, for us, uh, the three E's of discipleship are evangelize, establish, and equip. Evangelize, establish, and equip. Now evangelize is uh, to explain or give a word to go, right? So in our we, we when we go make disciples, we are evangelized. We're going with the gospel. And then once they come to faith we establish them in the community of faith. That's baptism. We establish them, they confess the, the, the Lord, the name of the Lord Jesus publicly Uh, We establish them as uh, part of the body of Christ, as part of the the family of Christ. Uh, We recognize that in the waters of baptism, and uh, hopefully uh, in the form of church membership. And then this last step is equip. So evangelize, establish, and then equip. This is what we most often think about when we we think about uh, discipleship ministry. Uh, and rightly so. Uh, we can be discipling somebody who isn't a believer, and so you're evangelizing with the hope of establishing, establishing them in the faith, in, in the community of faith, and then eventually to equip them. Uh, so you can disciple, and it happens often, and it, and it should happen often, uh, that you think of those relationships as maybe the seeds of discipleship. If you're... Um, Talking to somebody, if somebody's new to church and you strike up a, a, a conversation and a relationship blossoms out of that, a friendship of some sort, uh, you are in the midst of discipleship. You are bringing them uh, to Christ through evangelism with the hopes of establishing them in the faith. And then, and then the goal would be that you would be the one, uh, that you would be equipped and ready so that you can be the one uh, to equip them in the faith. Uh, again, today we're going to focus on this last step, equip, because that's really what most of us, if you're discipling somebody, that's, that's usually where you're at, is equipping them. And that is, again, verse 20, teaching them to keep all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what equip Looks like it looks like you teaching them, teaching to uh, teaching them to keep all that I commanded you. So there's a specific there's a, spe- a specificity. Excuse me, uh, in our teaching, in our equipping of disciples. Um, Christ assures us that he's going to build his church, right? And so we should be uh, ready. To, uh, to evangelize the lost that come our way on every, each Sunday and in between Sundays in your own life. We should be ready to uh, adopt them into uh, the, this local church family uh, and establish them in the community of faith. We should also be ready uh, to equip them, to equip them. Are you ready to train somebody up? That's a good question to ask yourself. Are you ready today to train someone who maybe even just somebody that just got saved last week? Are you ready today to say, I would love to go through this book with you and meet with you, and I I feel like I can help you grow and uh, really... uh, Establish your soul in Christ and, and give you the, the, the basic steps to live uh, the Christian life. Do you feel that way today? If you don't, then uh, the Lord wants you to feel that way. He wants you to be ready because he has commanded you to make disciples. There, there's no opting out of this command, right? Right? whether it's for a church or for each individual Christian. Each one of us must be involved in each of these three steps. We must be involved in in evangelizing, establishing, and equipping people. God wants you to be ready for that, and uh, equipping hour is to equip you so that you are ready for that. I would argue that... um, most of us, most of us in in the, in the church, uh, in this church, are ready. Uh, you've just convinced yourself that you're not, uh, and you need to get past yourself, essentially, and you have, need to have greater faith in God's use of you. Now, for us to equip and to equip well, there's two main things I think uh, in Jesus' command, teaching them to keep all that I commanded you. The first thing is focus, focus. Now, what we see in the life of Jesus, we saw that uh, he had a ministry to the crowds, to the multitudes, right? He evangelized to many. I mean, uh, think when he stood up in the midst of that banquet and said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? That was a ministry and an evangelism to all. But, and, and even beyond that, or within that, all that were evangelized or, or he went to, right? The going and the evangelizing. Uh, not all of them were established in the faith. Not all of them were believers. Some, there was, there was a, even a smaller crowd that followed Jesus around. Um, and we think of maybe the 5,000 that follow Jesus, and they were those that um, followed him wherever he went, um, and he fed them with bread uh, and fish, and they listened to his teaching. But when his teachings got uh, too personal and too demanding, uh, they, many of those 5,000 left. And Jesus knew that that was going to happen because he knew what was in the heart of men. Uh, but Jesus, in all of these um, spheres of reach in his ministry and life, he had this very intentionality to focus on the few. He had 12 disciples. And he invested in those 12 men in a way that he invested in no other, and even within the twelve, there was an kind of an inner circle who who was in that inner friendship inner circle of within the twelve the three who is it yeah Peter James and John, Peter, James, and John were within uh, were that um, that inner circle you could say they were the the three that were brought up onto the Mount of Transfiguration, if you remember. Uh, they got a glimpse of the glory of Christ that nobody else got to see that day. And we see this intentionality in verses like Mark uh, three fourteen. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, sent once, to be with him and to send them out to preach. So notice, there was an appointment of the twelve, right? There was an appointment of the twelve. There was intentionality. He chose. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, right? This is what he's talking about. He appointed them. And he appointed them with, uh, he intentionally appointed them with an intention to do something. It wasn't just, well, I choose you, and I I think you would be great leaders, and, you know, just... Okay, your leaders, go for it. No, it was was, he appointed them to be with him and to send them out to preach. So two parts there, right? One is training to be with him. That's the training. And then to send them out. That's employment in ministry. So Jesus chose 12 men. That he would invest his life into, train specifically and intensely, with the plan and intent to send them out to use them in ministry. Because he knew that he wasn't going to be there forever, right? He knew he was going to go, and so he knew he knew I need to train these men up, and then when I'm gone, I'm sending them out. And that's why uh, uh, Mark mentions that. These these appointed twelve were also named apostles. Apostles means sent out ones. He, he named them uh, by what their function was going to be in the church, sent out by Christ Himself. Now, so also you must focus on the few. You must focus on the few. Christ's goal in Mark 3.14, Christ's goal was to produce 12 men who would live like he lived, teach like he taught, preach like he preached. And the way that the disciples were impacted so greatly, the, way, the reason they were so used in the, in the hands of God was through being with Jesus. Of course, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as we looked at in our last series, but first and foremost, through being with Jesus, watching him live, watching him navigate countless circumstances, conversations, and choices, hearing him preach, they saw patterns, they saw priorities in the life of Jesus, they saw what it looked like to serve God. They saw the courage, the, the meekness, the patience, the love, and the wisdom of Christ, so also you must focus on the few. What does that mean? Intentionally focus on your disciple. You you ought to have other ministries in your life. Uh, You ought to be serving in other ministries. If you're you're discipling, you should be serving. Uh, Because if you're not, you're giving a bad example for them to follow. Because every Christian must serve. But even amongst all that life and ministry that you are uh, taking part in, you must have an intentional focus on that one relationship. The way that your disciple will be greatly impacted for Christ is going to be through you, through being with you, through learning from you, watching you, just like the disciples watch Christ. Your disciple needs to watch you as you navigate different circumstances, right? Different conversations, choices in life. They need to see what wisdom looks like. They need to see your pattern, your priorities of life. They need to see Christian courage and meekness and patience and love. They need to see wisdom and godliness. Now, of course, you will not be the perfect model. That's why there's Jesus, right? That's why uh, Paul even said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The flip side of that is when I don't imitate Christ, don't imitate me, right? But when I do imitate Christ, Praise the Lord, you, can, you, you have a model to follow. That should be your mindset. I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm not supposed to be perfect. I, I'm not supposed to be uh, without sin in this life. That's for the life to come. I am to aim high for godliness, of course. But my, uh, my failures are opportunities to point to the perfect one. You will sin against your disciple, and you and God will sovereignly orchestrate it where you will sin against your disciple, I believe, so that you can give a model of what it looks like to ask for forgiveness, and to confess your sin and to reconcile. So expect that to happen. And be OK with that, but handle it well. Expect to fail in front of your disciple. Not completely, not, don't fall on your face. It's not an excuse to just completely fail morally. But you, will, uh, you may not sin against your disciple, but you may sin in front of, or he, your disciple may hear of your sin or your struggles. And that's an opportunity to show them what it looks like to be a Roman 7 kind of Christian. Uh, I, I want to obey the Lord, but it's difficult at times and i need you to pray for me ask your disciple to pray for you and to encourage you now this requires focus effort from you all of this uh, focus on that relationship requires you to give a an intentional effort be intentional about the amount of time that you are with your disciple uh, for good discipleship, uh, the your interaction should not be for one to two hours uh, every two weeks or every month. That's not going to be enough. It's a good starting point. But it should go and blossom and expand from there. It should expand from there. You should have them over for dinner. You should go on double dates if you're able to. You should... Uh, Try and serve alongside each other. You should run an errand with them or have them help you uh, accomplish a task around the house. Whatever it might be, Uh, if you're going to prepare a meal for one of the other members in the church, get your disciple with you and say, we're going to cook together and we're going to go buy it together and then we're going to go deliver it together Uh, because I want to show you what this looks like. That's a great opportunity. It can be in the simple things of life. Just have them in your mind. Also, when you are with your disciple, be thoughtful about sharing what you're going through so that they can see how to work through difficult things of life. Uh, Overall, you need to focus on that relationship, that discipleship relationship, in a way that shows that it is a high priority in your life and ministry. Focus on the few. But also, as you focus, you need to focus on their character. Focus on character. Now, we've used this um, acronym uh, before. We must invest in disciples with the intent of producing fat Christians. Fat Christians. F-A-T. Faithful, available And teachable faithful available and teachable first of all faithful this comes from faithful comes from verses like there's others but verses like 2 Timothy 2 2 is an easy one to go to uh, where Paul tells Timothy the things which you have heard from me this is discipleship right the things which you have heard from me in in our discipleship relationship you could say in the presence of many witnesses now it's your turn. Entrust these to what kind of men? Faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Don't entrust what you have been given to somebody that you never see on Sundays. I've, I've tried it in my summerness. I've seen it tried. It doesn't work. If you don't want to be frustrated and disappointed and if you don't want to be swimming upstream in this ministry then you need to first look for faithfulness in that person's life now if somebody's a new believer or immature in the faith it's not going to their faithfulness may not look like somebody else's faithfulness has been a believer for a long time but there will be glimpses of that faithfulness there will be they're just they just are hungry for the Word of God they're here on Sunday Maybe they're not serving yet, but man, they're here. You, you just see them. Uh, faithfulness is being trustworthy. What, and, and again, in the beginning of a discipleship relationship, especially when somebody is new to the faith, uh, they're, they're going to have to grow in this. But again, you'll, you'll see small glimpses of this, and that's what you're looking for. Somewhere in their life where they're faithful. Especially in the, in the things of God. But what you're trying to grow is increasing faithfulness. You want uh, want it to be so that they can be trusted uh, and counted on to do what you request of them, even when you're not around. So that's going to show in their Bible reading, in their times in the Word, in uh, in their study for uh, the homework for your discipleship uh, meetings maybe in the book that they're reading, uh, can they be counted on uh, to read when you're not there or to do what they should be when you're not there? Again, especially in the beginning, faithfulness will be measured by little things, and those small things matter. Are they faithful to attend Sunday services, equipping our community group? Are they serving somewhere? Do they show up on time? Hardiness is uh, a symptom of unfaithfulness. Do they show up on time? Can you count on them to be there? Uh, not only faithful, but available. You want to develop available Christians, available followers of Christ, disciples. This is seen in passages like Matthew eight twenty-one to 22. Says, And another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. So what Jesus demands is unwavering and uncompromising devotion. That's what Jesus demands. And he accepts nothing less. Maybe you forgot that. That's... That was the beginning of your relationship with your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've wavered from that. This may be a reminder for you. This is what Jesus demands of you. That he comes first. Even above honoring your father who just died. He comes first. Jesus does not allow any of us as his disciples to pick and choose when we will follow him and how we will follow him. Our dedication to Christ must be radical and without hesitation. We must be available to do his bidding when he calls. This can get distorted and, and abused in a discipleship relationship because people can take this and say, well, um, that means whatever I tell you to do, you've got to do. And whenever I tell you to meet, you've got to meet. And and, I, and I'm the, you know, the dictator here. Uh, that You're not Jesus, okay? You're not Jesus, so don't try and take that place. You have to guard your heart against abuse of these realities. You're looking for them to treat Christ that way, not you. But this will show in patterns in your disciple. For example, if your disciple is too busy to meet or is often canceling on you, that means they're not available. And either, uh, and if you've tried to exhort them and encourage them in this area, and they're not available, then you may need to move on to invest in another disciple who is available. Don't do that too quickly. Uh, you want to de- try and develop this, right? This is what we're trying to develop in our disciples. So being too busy to meet or often canceling on you without an intent to reschedule or just kind of leaving it up to the wind to reschedule, you need to call that out and uh, bring that up when you do meet. Uh, that unavailability uh, is manifesting the disciples' priorities. That's really what's happening. Right? If I'm not available to Christ, then that means I'm, I am available for something else. And that other thing, that, or that other person, has priority over Jesus in my life. That's what it means. And so if they're constantly saying no to you and to growing in discipleship, then they're saying something to yes that is out of, out of uh, balance. I need to help them see that as you counsel them. What you want is a disciple who sees their need to be discipled. You want somebody that says, I just need this. I don't care who it's from. I don't care how early I have to wake up on Saturday morning to do this or on the weekday morning. Whatever it takes, I know I need this. Thank you for discipling me. Wouldn't that be nice to have in your discipleship relationship? They need to sense the importance of this. And by the way, they're going to see that from you, right? Right? They're going to see that first from you and you molding your life schedule, your family calendar around this primary ministry. They're going to see you bend over backwards to try and make it work with them. And to not give up too easily. Well, I'm available for this, these two hours in the week and if they can't meet with me in these two hours of the week, then sorry. You're available for more than that, trust me. Uh, I think your spouse would say that. I think your conscience would say that. I think your, your screen time uh, report on your phone would say that. Uh, be available. Lead them in that availability and promote that in them. Uh, the last mark of character that we need to focus on is that they would be teachable. Teachable. And this is going to bleed into uh, the, the next and last point teachable. This comes from passages like uh, John 6, verse 60 to 68. I referenced this earlier. John 6, verse 60 through 68 says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, uh, that is, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. When they heard this, uh, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in, him, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have uh, spoken to you are spirit and are life. So, so what he's saying here is, you know, you're, you're having a, tough time swallowing my teaching Um, what what do you need? you need to see me transfigure in front of you so that you'll finally just accept what I teach? Don't you see that my words are spirit and life? Don't you see the value of what I'm teaching you here? He doesn't back down. He doesn't apologize for his teaching, right? And he said, he goes on, but there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. That that is Judas, right? And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you, that no one can come to me unless unless it has been granted him from the Father. And as a result, many of his disciples went away. Quote-unquote disciples. Disciples on the outside, right? Many of the quote-unquote Christians walked away. And were not walking with him anymore. Verse 67, so Jesus said to the 12, he turns to the 12, right? That intentionality. And he just draws a line in the sand. Do you also want to go? He says, this is, this is your time. This is your chance. And this is the true disciples, the true follower of Christ. This is his response. Simon Peter answered, to, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of God. Of eternal life you see even though they are difficult teachings difficult words i need this right so when you rebuke or confront your disciple how do they respond how do they respond they should respond like simon peter you know what uh i need this i may not like how you said it maybe but I need it. I need it. I'll just take it, and uh, I will thank the Lord for bringing this uh, from you. And I will pray over this, and I will ask the Lord to work on my heart. That's the response that you want. You don't want an argumentative disciple. That is, that is so frustrating. Uh, Again, teachability is maybe most clearly seen uh, in how one responds to a rebuke. Simon Peter here gives us an excellent example, and the example is humility. Teachableness is humility. And so as a disciple, you are to teach your disciple what Christ commands them to do and how that will look in their life. And they need to be able to receive that. But remember, again, this can be used in an abusive way. And I've seen it done. It's not good. Remember that they are called to obey Christ, not you. Christ is the authority, not you. Even in the church, the pastor is, has no authority God does. The pastor is the servant of all. So that means that when you do give a command, you do give a rebuke, and you do tell them hard things, you need to be able to point to Scripture. You have to. And when it's your opinion or giving, you know, what you believe would be the wisest thing, your wisdom, Make that clear. You need to make that abundantly clear. This is what Scripture says. Now, we don't get an exact you know, step-by-step for your situation here, but I think, in light of these Scriptures, I think this is what you should do. And I would exhort you and encourage you to do this. I've thought about it. I've prayed about it. Here's what I think you should do. But you need to wrestle through that with the Lord. And trust God, right? Trust the Spirit to work in their hearts. But either way, watch for their response. Do they argue? Do they? I love this. Do they respectfully disagree? Right? Some people use, I respectfully disagree with, I just don't like what you're saying. You show them in scripture, and it's, it's black and white, but it's, well, I respectfully, well, then you dis- respect, respectfully disagree with God. Right, Especially if, again, especially if you're going to Scripture and you can point to it. But if it's wisdom, then they can respectfully disagree. Uh, They'll probably respectfully disagree to their own ruin or to their own, you know, uh, folly. Do they squirm in their seat when you teach them or bring up that one issue in their life? Or uh, a lack of teachableness shows up in, you know, when they smile and nod when, you're, when they're with you, but then they do nothing about it. That's not teachableness. So look past the, the veneer, right? Look past just what you see. What are they doing with what I'm giving them? Or do they just give excuses? It's like, yeah, I know that that's what I need to do, but, you know, my heart is just, it's just not there. You're in sin. You're in sin. I'm just going to rebuke you until, until the Lord works on your heart, man. I'm sorry. It's just... I can't... You know, if you say, well, my heart's just not ready or my heart's not there, then... Okay, we're not going to leave this topic until the Lord changes your heart. We're just going to drill down. And that may be what the Lord is showing you in that moment. All right. Now... Secondly, teach them, or excuse me, teach. So as you equip, you are f- focusing right. That's kind of the thought and attitude, perspective in the equipping that last step of the you know evangelize, establish, equip. You're focusing, and then functionally, what is that? Well, what is equip? It, it is to teach, to teach. And and what are you teaching them? Of course, you're teaching them truth. Teach them truth. This is what Jesus did. Jesus taught truth, uh, Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the rivers came, and the, windows, excuse me, and the winds blew and fell against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Jesus taught the scriptures to the crowds. He didn't withhold any teaching from those who would hear. And at the end of the Sermon on, on the Mount, here in this passage, this is the, this, this, this is the conclusion of the Sermon of, on the Mount. He says that his teachings are like a stone foundation that is able to support a house. What does he mean? Uh, what, what do you think he means there? Let's let's get some involvement. So Jesus says, uh, "My teachings are like this rock upon which you can build a house." What is the house that that he's talking about building on this rock of his teaching? What do you think? Path of godliness. Path of godliness. Yeah. So another way of saying the Christian life, right? Yeah, your spiritual life. Uh, Your spiritual and physical life, right? It's it's the whole. Uh, How you think and speak and, and act. It is someone's whole life, inside and out, that is being built upon the rock of the teaching of the Son of God, how amazing it is! Jesus, that, I mean, that's a, that's a claim, isn't it? You can build your entire existence on what I teach. That's what Jesus says. You can build a whole life, not a career, not a marriage, not a um, you know a relationship with your kids, not um, a church, not a ministry everything. You can build all of your life on the teachings of Christ. That is quite the claim, isn't it? This means Jesus taught so extensively and so practically that you can build every phase of life on it. From the first floor up. So this means that you also. This is your model. You must teach them truth. You teach them the word of God. So like Christ we must be teaching the whole counsel of God. This means that they should leave your times together. With a greater understanding of what God expects of them. That means that you need to give your disciple practical wisdom from the scriptures that they can employ that week. Here's what God wants you to do. Here's how God wants you to speak. Here's what God wants you to think this week. Whatever it might be. This means also, just to kind of get into the nuts and bolts of, of discipleship, this means that you should have something Above and beyond the content of that week's book assignment, does that make sense? Okay. This this past week's or month's book assignment was to read chapter, you know, chapter ten and eleven. And you meet and you talk about chapter ten and eleven, and it was nice, you know, it was encouraging. And you you prayed and you talked a little bit, um, and that was it. That was it. That should not be it. Okay, You, as a discipler, should come with something in addition to the material. Maybe it's a verse that's mentioned in those chapters. And you just maybe do a word study, or you pray and meditate on it, and you jot down some, some thoughts, and maybe some, some cross-references. Maybe, maybe they're going through a phase in their life where they need to be encouraged in a specific area. And the author just kind of mentions that specific area in passing. But your mind, as you're reading it, your mind goes to your disciple, you need to write down a note. And say, well, I want to, I want to expand on this when we do meet. We'll talk about what the reading, but let's expand. Okay, let's go back and let's look at this topic here. Let's talk about finances. Let's talk about uh, marriage. Right, let's talk about work, whatever it might be. And you bring in other scriptures to to bear upon your disciple. You see, the point is that they learn from you, Christian. They need to learn from you, not just the book. If all they're learning from is the book, why are you there? I mean, honestly, what's the point of the meeting? It's, at that point, it's not discipleship. I mean, it, it might be a book club. It might be a mutual encouragement. It might be, you know, accountability as brothers or sisters. That's fine, but it's no longer discipleship because you're not teaching them and training them anymore. They need to hear your voice. They need to hear your voice in some measure. So have something prepared, something. I mean, it, not a sermon. Five minutes. Have, have something that can fill five minutes. Maybe it's three questions. Maybe it's three cross-references to kind of like just, just you know, lay it on thick on this topic. Or maybe it's, um, maybe it's uh, um, another book that you read in the past and you, you write down a, a paragraph of, of a quote. And, and you, um, you have something extra to give them. Um, for you to teach also means that you yourself must be a student of the word of God yourself, right? You need to be a student yourself. None of us are, uh, none of us graduate, right? Our graduation is um, either when we die or when the Lord comes. That's the graduation. Uh, Until then, we're all in school, okay? We're all students, And so you need to have that mindset. Be in the word yourself. Be faithful to these meetings, the equipping hour, Sunday services, community group, redeem manhood, redeem womanhood. And as you're attending those things, as you're attending a Sunday service or equipping hour or community group or redeem manhood or womanhood, as you're attending those, as a discipler, your thought... and. As anybody, even as a disciple, all of us, we should listen with the part of our brains aware that I'm probably going to have to explain this to somebody at some point in my life. You have to think that way. You have to receive the Word of God, the teaching of the Word of God, the preaching of the Word of God in such a way where you get it. You should not be content with just showing up every Sunday and being spoon-fed. You should be mentally engaged so that you can talk to... You can have a conversation about that sermon, about that lesson, about that topic at a later point in time. You need to have that mentality, especially as a discipler, especially. But everybody needs to have that mentality. This also means that Uh, as a man or a woman of God, you need to be reading through doctrinal books. uh, Whether it's on the Trinity, or whether it's on false religions, whether it's on the doctrine of justification or salvation, the five solas, whether it's on the the inerrancy of scripture, whatever it is, a a doctrinal solid, some meat. You You should be trying to read through a systematic theology at some point in your life if not two or three. You need to be reading about reading books that are just about the Christian life, about prayer, about holiness, about communion with God, about uh, uh, conflict resolution or whatever else. The, the point is you need, you need to be ready for the questions that will come because the questions do come and they will come. You need to be ready for that. Lastly, um, you need to not just teach them truth, but you need to teach them better. Practically, teach better. So how can you teach better? There's a, there's a few uh, things on the bottom of your notes. I'll get to those in a moment. Just some thoughts. How can you teach better? Well, give homework. Uh, maybe something beyond, just read these chapters. Give homework. Um, part of the homework could be, should be, memorize scripture. So maybe something that goes along with the material that you're going through. Memorize scripture. You ought to be doing that. Um, we, our children's ministry, Redeem, uh, Redeemer's Kids, and uh, our nursery ministry, they are, each week, except for the week of communion. Each week, uh, they have a uh, memory verse that they go through every week. Do that with your disciple. Super easy, super easy. And, you know, uh, if you don't know, every Monday morning, we post that week's memory verse. Every Monday morning. We have a faithful uh, team for that, and uh, it, it's posted um, Every Monday morning, and you can screenshot it. You can make it the, 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 the screensaver on your phone. and So it's there. It's easy. We, we try to make it as easy as possible for you, brothers and sisters. So be thinking through that. Memorize scripture. Uh, again, have a lesson prepared is how you can teach them better. Uh, when you read through a book, you've got to discuss the book. What do you think about that? And try and dig deep. Not, uh, something a little more than, you know, what did you like about it? I mean, that's a good starting point, but something a little bit more than that. Uh, Teach them biblical principles that are associated with their phase of life or ministry. Maybe they're a new mom, a new dad. Maybe they just got married. Maybe they're in the dating phase of life, or maybe they're younger than that. Maybe they are uh, dealing with teenagers now uh, in their home. Maybe They're empty-nesters now, or maybe there's a new phase in their ministry. They just took on a different role or a different ministry, and uh, you can learn about that. Um, So you can see the intentionality there, right? Also, a way to teach them better with intentionality is to have structure to your meetings. Uh, I think that's on your notes. Your typical meeting structure is going to have six kind of broad steps, you're going to pray and ask for the Lord's blessing on your time. Then you're going to have some time of catching up. How was your week? How was your month? However long it was since you last met. Uh, how how, you know, how did it go with that maybe exhortation that I gave you last time? Maybe I exhorted you to uh, pray about this one person. Have you, did you pray about that person? How did that go for you? Right? Uh, catch up on those things. And then you get into the to the lesson. You review the lesson, you teach, and that's your time where you have those uh, maybe five minutes or so where you teach them, instruct them. And then of course you apply the lesson. I think that might be a, a step that is often ignored or kind of just assumed or, or breezed through. Intentionally apply the lesson. That means you should have thoughts of, you know, I don't see this in their life. I see I see this principle in the book, but I don't see that as well as I would like to in that person's life. So I think that would be a point of application. Uh, And help them through that, right? I mean, that's what Jesus said. He doesn't just say uh, teaching them all that I commanded you, right? It's teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. Application is so important in discipleship. Lastly, you give homework for the next week, some, maybe some last exhortations, and kind of like you're just launching them out and back into their life, and, you, and as you do that, you pray for them. Have them pray. You can pray. Pray together. Um, also, uh, as you're meeting, especially in the catching up, the, re- the review and teaching of the lesson, the application uh, of the lesson, steps two, three, and four, have good questions. Good questions. Uh, when your disciple, or excuse me, help your disciple by asking thoughtful, intentional questions. Ask what and how questions instead of why questions or one-word answer questions like yes or no. If you do ask a yes or no question, you should have already planned a follow-up question like okay did you read your bible this week no okay what did that look like what what were you doing instead or right you're digging a little deeper you should you should be ready for follow-up and, that, and that's hard sometimes that, that's hard to that's especially hard for some uh, i think most uh especially hard in the moment to think of these questions some people are really good at that, uh, but I think most are not. So you've got to plan ahead on these things. And so I wanted to give you kind of a roadmap here. What is a spiritual struggle in your life? That's super open-ended, right? I'm like, who knows what's going to come out, right? Um, but you want to develop a relationship where they can do that. Uh, how long have you dealt with this? See, That's a follow-up question. What is happening in your mind when you are faced with temptation? Maybe they never even thought of that. Maybe they never thought of what's happening in my brain. What have you you done about it? Has that helped? Has it made it worse? Some people just think that this one solution to their problem is the only solution and it's not working. And so they just, but they get stuck. So maybe you can help them see that, well, this just isn't working. Let me try this. You know, I I haven't been reading my Bible and I'm trying to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning to do that. Uh, so, because I work early in the morning and it's just hard to be faithful to that. Well, have you thought about having your Bible time at lunch or when you get home uh, to read and pray and in, 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 the, in, the, in your car in the driveway before you enter into the home to be with your family? Well, I never thought about that. Well, you should. That's not working. Try this, right? Help them. Um, ask them how you can help. Uh, also, what are your thoughts about blank? What, how have you reacted when blank happens? How do you feel when, when this happens? How would you describe your attitude about this or that, this circumstance, this person? What do you like or dislike about this person or situation? And uh, how would you describe your relationship with this person? And uh, one question, if everything else fails, one question that's so helpful. What do you mean by that? That is so helpful. Because we say things, we don't even know what we mean by it sometimes, right? We just, you know, we just blurt out the Christian answer. Well, what do you mean by that? You know, uh, you know, I'm having, a, I'm having a hard time with my boss. What do you mean by that? Right? Let's, like, what is your heart? What's going on in the heart? What's the circumstance? What do you mean? Well, I get, uh, um, I get, uh, I, I get, uh, uh, what's a, the what's a word? I, I get irritated. Well, I don't see irritated in the Bible. What do you mean by you get irritated? Well, I get angry. Ah, oh, okay, okay. Anger's in the Bible. Let's talk about that, right? Uh, or I get, or maybe it's bitterness or something like that. My irritation is just bitterness. I'm resentful. And I haven't let that go, and so it's just like a short fuse with that person. Uh, okay, we can talk about forgiveness and, and reconciliation. Yes. So you're just, you're just uh, probing them to, to come out with what's really happening in the yes. heart, right? Yeah, probing and, and asking good questions to reveal what the heart is. I think often in biblical counseling, in discipleship, we are too quick to just give the solution. And we're giving, uh, uh, we're giving Tylenol when we should be giving antibiotics. You know, it's, that happens a lot. And to guard against that, ask good questions to get to the heart of the issue. Most often, those, the first three, four, five answers... Or, or things that you're going to hear from your disciple, most often those are symptoms of what's really happening at the heart level. So you need to ask these kinds of questions to dig down deep and pray. And you may not have an answer, you may not get there at that meeting, but pick up where you left off at the next one. All right, we need to stop. Um, you know, next, I, I had some stuff planned for actually using uh, these are our two um, material that we use Uh, if somebody is newer in the faith or just hasn't been discipled yet at all we have basic discipleship and that's kind of step one and it deals with the foundational uh, realities of the gospel and the christian life super solid and then after that basic bible doctrine is like a mini systematic theology uh, that goes through the essential doctrines of the christian faith and I had planned uh, to, you know, some, you know, to, to look at some questions in here, to give you an example of what it would look like in an actual meeting. But we'll do that next time. Okay, we'll we'll spend a lot more time going through these two documents and having some interaction. What we'll, what would be an application of this question? What would be uh, what's what's another verse that talks about this topic? We'll go over that next time. Okay. But uh, be intentional, brothers and sisters. Be intentional, whether you're discipling or being discipled. Give it careful thought that it deserves. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for employing us in this ministry. Um, thank you for using us, Lord. Uh, we don't deserve to be used in this way. Uh, you could bypass us. You could find better people to, to accomplish your mission across the world but you chose us so lord help us just to be faithful and thoughtful about these things help us to be uh, encouraged lord that you want to uh, you want to change our disciples you want to change us you want us to grow and uh, this is how it's going to be done and so lord may, may we enter into these meetings these relationships of discipleship uh, with great optimi- optimism and hope that if, we're, if we just open the Word of God and we do this right, um, amazing things can happen. And uh, we just want to be on the front line to see that, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to grow and blossom this ministry of discipleship. I pray that it would more and more become the bloodstream, the, the DNA, the, the culture of this church. That in every ministry, we would have these kinds of relationships. And it would be the common thing instead of the exception. Lord, we lift these things up to you, and we thank you for your guidance. We ask your blessing now, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.